All right, and welcome to our first ever episode of the Politics and Film podcast. I am your host for this episode, Professor Patrick Coleman, and today we will be reviewing and talking about our film from the logo, our foundational film for this podcast, Dr. Strangelove, or How I, Lo- How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, uh, one of the quintessential or most famous uh, politics and film movies uh, of all time. Uh, so let's jump right into the categories. Our first category is, uh, what do we need to know about this film? What are some of the basics? Uh, a quick, a quick, uh, information dump. Uh, this movie was produced, directed, and written by uh, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, you might know him from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, actually I've never seen that. I've never seen Space Odyssey. Uh, but the as far as actors go, uh, it stars Peter Sellers, uh, George C. Scott. Uh, I think that's probably all that you'll recognize a young James Earl Jones. But Peter Sellers is the is the uh, is the actor who kind of makes this movie work. He actually plays multiple roles. Uh, doing some uh, background information, he was supposed to play four roles, uh, but in this uh, version of the movie, he only played three, uh, and he is excellent. Uh, the movie is from 1964, so released uh, somewhat during the height of the Cold War. Uh, it was actually pushed back a little bit, if we're talking about some politics or political influence, by the assassination of JFK. Um, but the setting uh, of the Cold War, uh, the height of the Cold War, and the the arms race, the nuclear arms race, is the is the background. Uh, to this movie. It is considered a comedy, one of the best comedies of all times, a dark comedy, a satire. Uh, it is more or less making fun of uh, the the space, uh, sorry, the arms race and, and nuclear weapons. Um, so uh, it's it has it's been on a lot of lists of the best political films, best political satires, best comedies. Um, so it is a good foundational film uh, to to watch and talk about for this podcast. Uh, I'm trying to. What is? What else do I have to answer there? Opening thoughts. Um, it's hilarious. I think it's funny, but it's a certain type of, of humor. It's based off of a book, uh, and there are lots of different things that we could we could point to uh, as far as connections, and we'll get to that next. My, the second quarter, the second category is my initial reactions. I haven't watched this film in a while. Uh, it is a classic. Uh, it is great. Uh, you certainly have to get this type of humor. I certainly uh, think that some people might not get uh, this type of humor or this type of comedy, a dark comedy, a comedy that makes fun of maybe the end of the world or uh, uh, politicians run amok or uh, the, the the stupidity uh of the of the nuclear arms race uh, and a lot of these uh, things that actually happened in the 1960s, uh, it's it's crazy that that this was released at that time uh, and was able to be so popular and and such a hit uh, for the fact that it made fun of something that a lot of people were really scared of. Right, uh, we're talking about 1964. Uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis only occurred just a, a few years before. Uh, and we're talking about, uh, you know, a real tense time between American and, and Soviet relations. I really enjoyed the movie. I think it has a lot of uh, not only good acting and good funny lines and lots of um, Easter eggs and, and fun satire. Um, but it does have a lot of cool political messages that I, I think are worth digging into for students 
uh, to watch and learn from. So um, let's dig into a few of those. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about this in relation to this class and the books that we've watched and some of the kind of uh, some of the specific things that uh, maybe we want to talk about. Uh, the first thing I, I want to talk about that uh, that we have discussed in our class is uh, who makes these movies and how to, and who watches these movies uh, and how does politics come into that equation. Uh, actually, in some of the reading that I did, that uh, they were worried the studio was worried that this uh, that this film was going to be seen as anti-American or anti-military, and that that would make it a flop. Uh, and so there was some concern. Um, as far as the studio's perspective of would, would audiences actually go see a movie that makes fun of uh, something that is uh, something that people were living through every day that was very serious at the time. People built bomb shelters, right? They were, they were worried about the end of the world. Uh, uh, but this makes fun of that in a lot of ways with uh, all of the characters and some of the writing. I love the, uh, I love the guy, uh, the, the pilot of the, of the bomber who keeps saying Ruskies, uh, he's a cowboy. His name is Slim Pickens, and uh, there's some good stories about him. But as far as who made the movie, I think that that's an interesting uh, perspective from the studio's perspective. And then uh, also something that I read is that Stanley Kubrick actually was going to write, uh, when he was writing this movie, wanted to write uh, a more serious, uh, maybe a, a drama or a thriller about uh, nuclear weapons in that in his process of writing it, he actually couldn't do it. He actually thought the whole idea of uh, mutual assured destruction and mass murder and nuclear weapons was just so beyond the pale of, uh, of what could should really happen that he thought it's best to be written as a comedy, as a satire uh, to make fun of all of this. And I think that that really works and it, and it shows his, his genius, right? And why he's considered to be one of the best uh, movie makers of all time. I also wonder about who went to go see this movie. If, you know, we've talked a lot about this in this class, that young people are the ones that go see movies today, but that certainly was the case in the 60s probably as well. You're talking about baby boomers. Uh, they're still pretty young back then, but there might have been a generation of people that were, uh, you know, in the 60s, you Maybe not in 1964, but later in the 1960s, as the Vietnam War starts to take hold, we do start to see a counterculture in questioning uh, the government and, and government decisions uh, in things like war and defense spending. And so I wonder if uh, that has started to seep in into the culture of who saw this movie and whether or not people were able to actually laugh. And I don't know if that means people were more liberal who saw this movie or if there's liberal undertones if we're talking about liberal versus conservative or the political ideologies uh, that are apparent in this movie. But I think that that is a political uh, theme of this movie, certainly, is maybe people were willing to go see this to laugh uh, at the absurdity of maybe of the time that they're living through. Um, there was a movie made a few years ago called In the Loop uh, with a lot of British actors and it made fun of the absurdity of the of the Iraq war and going uh, to war in Iraq uh, uh, in the early 2000s, 2003, and kind of making fun of the, the Bush administration and some of the decision makers there. So there's some good parallel that uh, it doesn't matter what the time is or, or the generation is, is that, or maybe what the politics is, doesn't matter if you're maybe a Republican or Democrat, certainly probably not in the 1960s. But we can laugh at the absurdity maybe of politicians, even though they're making uh, 
dramatic decisions of uh, building nuclear weapons or going to war, but um, the kind of folly of human decisions is, is certainly on, uh, on display here uh, and is something that comes through. Um, it's certainly making fun of decision makers. The characters in the in the movie are are certainly uh, making fun of the president that Peter Sellers plays uh, is supposed to be uh, a rather a, a buffoon, uh, right? And all of the names of the characters are supposed to be making fun of them. The the uh, I think it's Colonel who starts all of this madness uh, of the movie of triggering the the nu probably nuclear war is named Jack Ripper. One of the colonel uh, generals is named King Kong. Uh, there are lots of great uh, bat guano. <laughs> uh, so uh, the the names obviously are a great way of of making fun of, but the the writing uh, uh, is also. Uh, rather a satire or making fun of the absurdity, right? The one general says, "Well, only we're only if we're talking about mass ver murder versus war, it's really only 10 to 20 million dead. I'd rather have 10 to 20 million dead than 150 million dead, uh, which is crazy to think about that that someone would actually say that out loud, right?" Um, so, uh, you know, they talk about modest and acceptable civilian casualties. There's the there's the the book or the binder that talks about mega deaths of civilians. So right, they're using some of the language, uh, you know, that is absurd. I believe uh, the the slogan for the for the base is "Peace is our profession," uh, which is which is kind of hilarious on its face. So you could see this satire coming out in the writing of Kubrick. So again, who made the movie? Who goes to see the movie? Um, I think there's certainly some political ideologies that come to the fore, but I don't know if those are necessarily political, I'm sorry, liberal or conservative or even libertarian. Certainly there's some making fun of uh, the fascist or the uh, the decision making of some of these crews, uh, some of these people in, in the book, uh, I'm sorry, in the movie. Uh, but uh, I don't think that that's explicitly a political movie, uh, even though all of the topics are political. Um, so what would be some other connections that we, that we talked about in this movie would be, uh, some things from class would be, there are some direct connections to real life. Um, Dr. Strangelove, which I'll say for what's my favorite thing from the movie. There was a thing where a German scientist did come over from, uh, Nazi Germany that the United States, uh, used, uh, for the space race and the arms race. Uh, Werner von Braun. Uh, so Dr. Strangelove, uh, the the comedy of him, uh, you know, saluting and talking about Mein Fuhrer. This is a real thing uh, that's been in the news. I think there was a. I mean, it's been it's been more well documented more recently. Uh, it's called Operation Paperclip. Uh, there was a TV show um, with Al Pacino in it uh, on Amazon recently that talked about hunt. Uh, it was a fictional account of hunting down some of these. Uh, Nazi scientist. So that's something from real life. Um, this question of who has authority to use nuclear weapons has something that has been come up in the news uh, uh, over the last few years or whether or not we should have um, uh, these retaliatory safeguards or should we have a first strike policy? These were debated during the Trump, uh, Trump and the Obama administration. Uh, should we have be planes be circling the globe uh, airborne 24 hours a day? I don't know if that's still a policy. I forgot to look that up. But there's a great book and also a documentary uh, that is 
uh, out there. I believe it's called Command and Conquer, or not Command and Conquer. Uh, what is it called? Um, I'll, uh, Command and Control, sorry, that does talk about these accidental uses or accidents that happened uh, during the, the arms race or that continued to happen with nuclear weapons that could have triggered uh, nuclear war. Uh, and it is something that I've had students watch in the past that's very uh, um, alarming uh, to see that actually the United States has dropped nuclear weapons before on the United States accidentally. Um, and that this is more likely to see um, these types of accidents. Yeah, it's called Command and Control. Uh, it's an American Experience documentary, so you could try to watch it on PBS. That that's much more likely to have an accident or a rogue uh, person make the wrong decision or hit the wrong button from human uh, mistake than uh, for us to actually want to go to, to nuclear war with a, with a Russia or a China. So I'd urge people to take a look at this. Uh, there was a lot of debate about uh, should the president of the United States be the only one that has the authority to do to use a nuclear weapon? Uh, what happens if we have a president that maybe is more unstable? Uh, is you know should we spread out nuclear weapons uh, control uh, amongst multiple people? Uh, there's a great movie with Denzel Washington a few years ago called uh, Crimson Tide that this happened in a nuclear submarine, right? To talk about uh, who should have control of nuclear weapons. Um, and the, you know, I think the one thing that I, I enjoyed too from the movie was even at the end where they're talking about the doomsday machine, uh, which gets it more and more absurd. It does show that this thinking during the cold war of, we always have to be ready. We always have to attack. We always have to be mindful of the, the missile gap or the, uh, they talked about the doomsday gap or the, there's the arms race, the space race, the peace race, right? We're always competing. There's always something to keep us uh, scared, but maybe to fuel the military industrial complex. So I think that those are really important things that I would urge people to get out of. I mean, there's some silly things, but some of this stuff is showing up in more conspiracy uh, type writing these days. The one guy is really afraid, afraid of fluoride in the water, which is funny, right? Um but I, I do think, uh, so moving on to the next category is what's the biggest thing you want to share? Uh, you know, what's the deepest thing that I want to reflect on? And I think that that is the actual Dr. Strangelove character in these war room scenes. Um, and if you watch any of the movies, there's a great movie called 13 Days about the Cuban Missile Crisis. It does show you that, uh, it does show you the real life absurdity of generals and maybe some of the military and, and their views uh, and and the, the lack of understanding of how some of this stuff really works uh, and the, the kind of warmongering that happened uh, has happened throughout history and maybe is still happening today. But the Dr. Strangelove character is the funniest and the biggest thing I want to share. And the thing, the thing that stood out to me uh, besides the hilarity of the character is uh, the, the terms and the things that he says over and over he keeps saying it's actually quite simple. And I think that that is a big takeaway for me that uh, nuclear war or a catastrophe or something like this, uh, while it is a thing that we have, we have a really hard time wrapping our head around, it is quite simple 
for someone to make a mistake. It is quite simple for a scientist or people to stumble upon the newest weapon, the newest idea, the thing we have to compete over, whether it's the uh, whether it's drones or AI today or the internet or uh, you know nuclear weapons. Uh, he he says it's terrifying, right? But it's also quite simple to maybe think about how we could come up with these things like a doomsday machine. It really just takes the will to do so is what he says. And I think that that really hit home the most to me. Uh, he's a hilarious character, but I think the dialogue of Dr. Strangelove is, is perhaps probably the, the most uh, hard hitting for me and what I take away. The last two ca uh, categories are would I recommend this movie to others? I certainly would. Uh, this is some uh, theme that I've been talking to students about in this class is, do students watch old films like this? Is something that's made in the 1960s. I mean, the special effects of this movie are, are quite hilarious when they show the, the planes flying, right? It's almost like a model plane uh, flying around. But I wonder if students uh, are turned off by older movies or black and white movies, or, or do they like those? And, and do they... Um, still get something from that. So that, that's a question for me, but I would highly recommend this to all ages, not just my students. I think it's a great movie. It has some really wonderful messages. It's well acted, it's well written, it's well made. When we talk about the categories of what makes a good movie, which is a theme from our class uh, this week. So I would highly recommend it. It is uh, currently uh, showing on HBO, but I think you could, uh, you could find Dr. Strangelove pretty much anywhere. Uh, you know, like a public library that has movies these days. Um, I'd recommend it to buy, uh, you know, for your personal library. I don't know if people still buy movies, but it's a classic. It's a good one. Uh, it's silly fun. Uh, there's lots of silly moments, uh, but you have to be in a right mood for a satire, for a dark comedy. Uh, I realize maybe not everyone thinks um, Things like this are, are funny, you know, the end of the world, uh, nuclear weapons are still a thing these days. We still spend billions of dollars each year on nuclear weapons. I wrote my dissertation in my first book on, on nuclear arms control or arms control ideas and whether or not we should be reducing our numbers of, of nuclear weapons rather than, uh, you know, being worried about building the biggest and newest bomb. So those are kind of my closing thoughts or recommendations. I hope people give Dr. Strangelove a watch. Uh, and I hope that this first ever episode of the podcast was rather interesting. I'll have to, uh, you know, play around with some of the music, uh, the background and the, and the different things that you could do. Hopefully I didn't uh, uh, stutter or say too many stupid things that I need to cut out. But um, closing thoughts would be uh, watch old movies like this. Uh, this type of movie, Dr. Strangelove. Um, trying to think what are other classic political movies that we need to get on here. Um, let's see. Oh, this, I'm drawing a blank. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front, obviously, is a, is a classic uh, movie, an anti-war movie. Uh, there's the Robert Redford movie uh, that... Uh, all the President's Men, sorry, I couldn't think of it, that students have watched in the past that they've laughed at the, at the, at the terrible uh, kind of special effects and the, the movie making, but it's a really good movie. So I guess I'll close on that, is that just because movies are made in the 60s or 70s doesn't mean they're bad or they're tough to watch. Give them a chance, and I think that you'll be well rewarded. So go watch Dr. Strangelove, and I look forward to more podcasts 
uh, in the future from me and my students. Uh, and that's it. Signing off.